Welcome to Whipple's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Whipple. Aaron Rodgers isn't going anywhere, but what about some of his talented Packer teammates? Welcome, I'm Gary Wolfel, and thanks again for joining Rob Reichel and I for another Packers podcast. Good day, Rob. Good morning, my friend. How are you? I, I am doing well, you know, getting uh, fired up for uh, Sunday's game. I, I heard I heard there's a pretty big game going on, so I'm trying to... Yeah, get... two, two reasonably, uh, you know, high-profile quarterback. Exactly. Well, Sorry. Rob, in uh, recent days, uh, Packer President Mark Murphy and Packers GM... Brian Gutekunst both made it abundantly clear. Rodgers, the Packers Hall of Fame and waiting quarterback, will be with the team for a few more years. And obviously that's that's great news for uh, Packer Nation as uh, Rodgers is coming off arguably his best season as the presumptive MVP. Rob, I, I think you and I were not surprised by their comments and, and fully expected Rodgers to be back. But uh, in the wonderful world of pro sports, you just never know. Well, what's your reaction to uh, what they said publicly? Well, Gary, I think they said what they had to say publicly. The guy just threw 48 touchdowns, five picks, is going to win the MVP, and he led him to an NFC championship game for the fifth time in his career. But, but I think, like you said, Gary, this league is extremely fluid. And, and what it looks like here today on – February 2nd of, of 2021, it might not look that way 365 days from now, you know, 730 days from now, um, you know, two years down the road, Gary. And, you know, Roger started all this stuff in terms of putting doubt into people's minds about his future. When, you know, a few days before the NFC championship game, Gary, he, he was asked, and I, I can't even remember on that one, if he was asked about his future, but he defined it as a beautiful mystery. Yeah. Um, I can't remember if that was unsolicited or not. It was absolutely unsolicited after the after the loss to Tampa Bay when he said the Packers have a lot of guys' futures that are uncertain, myself included. He's the one who kind of started that fire on, on his way out of town after the loss there, and he kind of left it for Lafleur and Gutekunst and Murphy to take care of and, and put it out. And, and everybody has said the right things since then, Gary, that they want him long-term, that he's – this huge part of what they're going to do in the future. He's their quarterback. He's our leader, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. And, and Gary, I, I know the overwhelming majority of the media who are Rogers apologists in the first place, gobble that up and, and they run to their computers and, and they get happy and they, they type it up that Aaron Rodgers is going to be a lifelong Packer now and all this kind of stuff. But, but I'm just telling you things can change in this league and change quickly Obviously, coming off the year he just had, Gary, it makes sense for the Packers to, to publicly say that. But, but don't forget now, his cap hit in, in 2021, Gary, is $36.5 His cap hit in 2022 is $40 million. They have, a, they have a way out of that financially, Gary, after 2021. That would save them $22.5 million against the cap. Let's just say this next offseason or this next season, Gary, Jordan Love comes back. He shines in the preseason. Rodgers misses, let's say, four games, misses a month. 
let's say love works his way up to the number two quarterback spot, Gary, and, and goes in and he performs adequately or better. And they're two and two or three and one in the games. Jordan love plays. I don't think anything is a hundred percent concrete in this league. And a year from now, we could be sitting here saying, you know, Jordan love showed plenty. It's time to move on from Aaron Rodgers. You know, Gary, you remember Ron Wolf really well, like, like I do his, one of his great lines to me always was you need to get rid of a player a year early, not a year late. And, and mm-hmm. we all saw what the lions just gobbled up for Matthew Stafford in that trade two ones, a three, and, you know, possibly another starting quarterback, at least a quarterback um, who's going to be a really good number two. If, if he's your number two, two. Um, Gary, a year from now, let's just say love shines in green Bay and he's, 15 years younger than Aaron Rodgers, and you can turn around and get three ones for Aaron Rodgers. I I don't think anything here is set in stone with Aaron Rodgers beyond 2021. Aaron Rodgers wants a new contract, Gary. He wants the security and the extension that the, you know, he wants the Packers to put the money where their mouths are right now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, his statements, Gary, as he left town, were all about power and control. The Packers took total power and control of that situation a year ago when they drafted Jordan Love. Right now, Rodgers wants some of that power and control back. He's going to want it by, a, by another contract extension that, that clearly locks him into Green Bay for the next three or four years and, and probably puts Jordan Love on the trading block uh, like, the, like the Patriots did, Gary, with, with Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. So we'll wait and see. The Packers, to me, Gary, did what they had to do. They said all the right things. at season ending press conferences as they left town they weren't going to pour more gas on a fire that Aaron Rodgers already started they're trying to put the fire out but Gary I don't think things have dramatically changed other than there's been some lip service from the powers that be Uh and you know what Rob I I, I totally agree with what you're saying here and I think this puts the onus on Rodgers like if he decides he wants out of Green Bay for whatever reason the onus is on him you know the Packers can say, hey, we've done what we had to do to keep him here. You know, we want him to be here. This is him, you know. I'm sure they meant it sincerely that they want him around. But from a uh, PR standpoint, I I thought it was a brilliant move because it uh, covers their butts. Well, Gary, there's no question they want him around in 2021. I mean, the, the cap hit right now, if they would move on from Aaron Rodgers, would be so astronomical that, I mean, they'd be a four and 12 football team next year without Aaron Rodgers. But again, you know, Brian Gutekunst was asked about trading him and he said, absolutely not. You know, he's such an important part of what we're doing. He's the leader of our football team. That's not part of our plans. Well, that's not part of the plans today, Gary. That doesn't mean it's not part of the plans 12 months from now when they can get out of that contract, save themselves a lot of money against the salary cap and probably recoup a heck of a lot of draft picks. Gary, let's, let's see where the 21, 2021 season goes mm-hmm. before we're saying Aaron Rodgers is going to be a lifetime Green Bay Packer, a 20 or a 22-year Green Bay Packer. I mean, Rodgers wants the new contract largely again, Gary, so he can take back power and control of the situation and lock himself into Green Bay long-term. The Packers by no means need to do that. Aaron Rodgers does not want to come back a year in, in July, let's just say, Gary, for the start of training camp as a quote unquote lame duck quarterback and knowing that the Packers have the kind of financial outs that they do, if they moved on from Rogers, you know, prior to the 2022 season, 
he would come back, Gary, as a lame duck quarterback next fall if the Packers don't redo his contract. Mm -hmm. Again, the Packers have absolutely no reason to redo that deal whatsoever. He signed that $134 million extension a year and a half ago, Gary. It carried him through 2023. So by no means do the Packers owe him that. Are they obligated to do it? Absolutely not. If I'm Green Bay, I kind of leave my window open where I can go either way. If they come back next year, Gary, and they're a 10 and six, a nine and seven, a wild card, kind of a football team, and Aaron Rodgers shows signs of slippage and, and declining, then it's time to move on from them. Well, I, I heard Tim Boyle really uh, impress the coaches this year. <laughs> and, and, and Gary, you know, if he comes back and he wins another MVP, then yeah, you obviously redo that deal and, and, and you stay married to him the next two or three years after that. But Gary, the reason Jordan Love was drafted, and people tend to forget this, is, you know, Aaron Rodgers closed 2016 on a bang, Gary, and he took him to the NFC Championship game that year when they won six in a row to finish the regular season and then won their first two playoff games. And and he finished, um, you know, just absolutely red hot. But 17, 18, and 19, Aaron Rodgers had shown dramatic slippage. He was in the 20s in some of these major statistical categories, Gary, like, you know, completion percentage and and, and passer rating and, and things like that. He was in the teens on some of those. He was not the Aaron Rodgers that we had seen between, let's say, the years 2010 and 2015. And that's why they took Jordan Love. They thought Aaron Rodgers was on the decline. Well, Aaron Rodgers proved them and a lot of people wrong last year, this past season, by winning the MVP. Well, he's going to win the MVP this weekend and throwing 48 touchdowns and taking him back to the NFC Championship game. I guess what we have to see now moving forward, Gary, is can Rodgers keep this level of performance going, or is he going to slip back a little bit to the 2018-2019 Aaron Rodgers that we saw? And and that's why if I'm Green Bay, Gary, I don't redo his deal at all. I leave my, I leave my options open. I make him come back and prove it again in, in 2021, and I leave that window open there with Jordan Love. Yeah, you beat me to the punch. I, I was going to say, if I was the pack of brass, there's, there's no way in hell I'm giving Aaron Rodgers a new contract, especially at the expense of, you know, having to save money for other other players. I mean, this is a team that can ill afford to lose players. I mean, they're, they're on the cusp of being really good. And if that would disrupt the salary cap in any manner, I, I mean, I'm totally against it. The other thing, though, uh, I wanted to bounce off you is what if Rogers gets miffed about this, you know, that they wouldn't give him a contract. Uh, are they, you think that's going to be a potential problem? I do. I think that could absolutely be a problem. And there could become, there could be a stalemate as we get closer to training camp on this Gary, if the Packers don't budge and don't re up his deal and, and give him, give him a new contract because Rogers is obviously as smart as they come. And, and he, he knows all these numbers in the situation you know, he's walking back into a situation again where he's potentially a lame duck guy. Um, he won't retire, Gary. I mean, that uh, there's no doubt about that. I, oh, no, no. But all, I, but all he got yesterday. Week, but no way. No way. I mean, but, you know, all he got from the Packers so far is lip service that he's their guy. It, it, it's kind of like Dak Prescott mm -hmm. to some extent, Gary, in, in, in Dallas, where the owner down there keeps saying, I love Dak, I love Dak, I love Dak. And three years later, they still haven't been able to ink him to a long-term deal, right? I mean, Jerry Jones won't put his, you know, put, put the money where his mouth has been on that. We'll see what the Packers do on this, and and then we'll see what Aaron Rodgers' next move would be, Gary, uh, moving forward. But I'll just tell you right now, if, if you 
lock yourself in and, and stay married to Rogers for the next three or four years, you obviously run the risk of losing Jordan love in there at some point. And let's just say love's the next best thing that the next big thing we, we just don't know on Jordan love right now. Now, maybe they, maybe they've changed their minds in green Bay Gary and, and don't think Jordan love is, is the next big thing. And they will move on from him at some point in the next year or two. But right now we, you know, we, we've seen limited work in a truncated training camp um, in a very bizarre COVID filled off season. Everything he had to do was virtual, never stepped foot on the field for a preseason game was number three all year. Let's see him come back with a legitimate off season. Um, and we hope we have that, you know, inside the NFL where these guys can get together for many camps and OTAs and things like that. We should definitely have a preseason because we just finished a regular season. So let's see him in four preseason games next year and how he looks. Let's see him with a full year of knowledge inside the Matt LaFleur offense and what he looks like day in and day out on the practice field. And then let's see if he passes Tim Boyle and actually potentially has to play in a game at some point in time in the 2021 season before going crazy and saying, man, we need to up Aaron Rodgers for another four years and $160 million or something like that. Mm -hmm. I just don't think the Packers need to blink yet and do something like that, Gary. I think this situation can play itself out and without any real harm. Um, other than again, like you said, Rogers being miffed. Well, that's life. You know, I don't know, Gary, I don't, I don't know how many people would be that miffed coming back for 36 and a half million dollars. And, <laughs> and knowing you still had, you know, half of your contract remaining that you would sign for $134 million. So um, to me, if that happens, that's on the quarterback. It's not on management. And um, he's going to have to, he's going to have to live with it and deal with it and probably grow up a little bit more. So um, Gary, again, if I, if I'm the Packers, I don't do a thing. You, you, you've given him your word that he's their guy for 2021. Some people can interpret it as 2021 and beyond, but if I'm green Bay, I take a wait and see attitude. You obviously bring back Rogers, almost all the defense. You should have the majority of the offense back. Can you try to make another run at it with this cast of characters? Yeah, no, I, I, again, I agree. You know, COVID, I mean, it goes without saying wreaks havoc on everybody's life and, and profession and uh, the reporting business, uh, you know, as well. But the one thing I, I couldn't understand was the lack of coverage about Jordan Love this year. I mean, it, it's not like he's your typical number one pick. The Packers had to move up in the draft to get him. There's there's all this talk about him being you know the heir apparent to Rodgers, and I, and I understand because of COVID, reporters aren't allowed to talk to other players, other coaches. It's pretty much in a uh, confined area. But uh, from what what you hear, you know, as a reporter, anything good or bad about Jordan Love? I mean, to be honest with you, I haven't heard a word from anybody about him. Yeah, and, and it's so tricky and tough, Gary. I mean, if it was a normal season, I would have had eight conversations one-on-one yeah. -on -one probably with Jordan Love at his locker. I would have gone there every two weeks and, and chatted with him and chatted with people around him in terms of his progress. But like you said, everything was team-controlled Zoom calls mm -hmm. this particular season, and they weren't going to bring out the number three quarterback to talk, and they didn't, and he hasn't, he hasn't been heard from since draft day, um, you know, at least he hasn't been made available by the organization since draft day. 
Gary, he, he was inconsistent. He wasn't very good. I'll be honest with you in, you know, in the limited time he had in training camp. I don't think that's a great surprise. He had no, he had no OTAs. He had no mini camps. He, he, he was trying to learn an offense virtually. And that was tricky, obviously. Sure. I'll just, I'll just remind people right now, Gary, in 2005, I watched Aaron Rodgers every day on the practice field. It was a disaster. And it was a disaster once he got to the preseason games. Gary, he, in 2005, Aaron Rodgers played in all the preseason games. He quarterbacked 20 different drives that, uh, that preseason, Gary. He led them to seven points in 20 drives. It wasn't good. I think his passer rating was, you know, in the forties. Incredible. Yeah. Right. When, you, when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, three tenths of a point per possession. Wow. That's not good. He came back in 06, Gary. He wasn't dramatically better. There were people, I was writing stories. There were people around the league telling me Green Bay absolutely blew it. Even by taking him in 06, he didn't make, or in 05, he didn't make dramatic gains in 06. His big jump, Gary, came that, you know, that offseason between six and seven. And, um, you know, people saw him really for the first time in a game that mattered in 07 when they had that big Thursday night game down in Dallas. And I think both teams had one loss and Favre got knocked out of that game early and they were down two, three scores right away. And, and Rodgers rallied them back and they almost won. And I remember the Cowboy linebacker, Brady James, at the time saying, thank God we didn't have to face Rodgers the whole game. And there were people at that point in time in the organization then that started to believe our better quarterback might be sitting on the bench right now. And, um, you know, so my point there, Gary, is it does take time. And so we'll see what, what, what they have with love when they come back here, you know, hopefully in, in May, June, but, but certainly by July and August, when we hit training camp, we'll see what the OTAs and mini camps look like. I'm not sure. They're not sure. Uh, even at this point in time, but Gary, early reviews on love were not good. I mean, let's, I'll, I'll be frank, yeah, but, yeah. but, you know, but again, they're, they're not good a lot of times for a ton of young quarterbacks. I mean, look at Tua right now in Miami and there's talk about shipping him out of town already. It's, it's a tough position to play. It's, it's a dramatic jump in competition. It's a, it's a beast of a league. And um, a lot of times it takes these guys two or three years. I, you know, and that's why Green Bay would be foolish I think to me, at least Gary of locking themselves in long-term with Rogers or even longer term than they already have love turns out to be a guy who can play. And then you're going to have to commit to him at some point in time and move on from Rogers. I just think if you're the Packers right now, Gary, you leave all options open. Yeah. You know, when the, the Packers drafted Rogers, I, I, I couldn't believe it was like bread from heaven uh, for Packer nation, because I mean, that guy could have easily gone in top two or three or whatever, but but going, going back to Jordan Love, when they drafted him, I had never seen Jordan Love play before, okay? But I did talk to some NFL people, and they had reservations, I mean, serious reservations, about this guy ever being a top-flight NFL quarterback. I mean, you can uh, talk about the number of interceptions he threw at Utah State, but uh, there, are, there were other concerns and, and uh, legitimate ones. And I'm, I'm, I'm still skeptical about that pick. And, and uh, you know, I, I talked to some fans and they're upset that they could use that pick to, you know, get immediate help this year. And you go back into uh, the NFC championship game and you saw how the two, three and four receivers on the Packers were, were totally, 
non-existent. They, they underachieved, dropped passes. They couldn't get open. And you wonder what if they, he would have had a legitimate number two to go with him. You know, the Packers probably could have won that game, but uh, we're not going to find out about Jordan Love, obviously, for years. But let me ask you this as I, as I ramble on here. If the Packers get a good offer for Jordan Love, because there are so many teams, there's probably at least 15, 20 teams that are looking for a quarterback, would you trade them? Well, what do you define as a good offer, Gary? Is it another one? Oh, it would definitely have to be another one. And maybe a, a three or a three and a four. I mean, you're talking about a quarterback, and obviously, you know, the value of a quarterback is going to be pretty high. I wouldn't do it yet. I really wouldn't. I, you know, I think back to, you know, Brett Favre spent the one year in Atlanta, right? He, th- right. he threw five passes. He didn't complete any. Um, he was buried on the depth chart. And nobody in Atlanta thought he could play, right? He was third string down there, and and Ron Wolf was was a guy who was still married to him and committed to him, and mm-hmm. you know people around here went nuts when Wolf gave up a one for a for a third string quarterback who was a second round pick to the to the Falcons the previous year, right? And sure, and he turned out to be probably one of the six or eight best quarterbacks in the in the history of the league. I just if Brian Gutekunst was that committed to him in the first place, Gary, number one, it, it doesn't matter what the guys in Denver thought of him. It doesn't matter what the Jets thought of him, right? It doesn't matter right. what, exactly. what the Cardinals and the Falcons thought of him. All that matters is what Brian Gutekunst thought of him. And he clearly thought a ton of him to jump, not only, not only take him in round one with a Hall of Fame quarterback on the roster, but, but to give up future draft picks and trade up in the draft to get him, you know, jumping up from 30 to 26. I, I wouldn't do it yet, Gary. I think it's too early. I think Brian Gutekunst wants to see Jordan Love in, in a far more normal season, right? Uh, uh, as, as we have this return to normalcy in society, he wants to see a season with Jordan Love, I would, I would have to imagine, where things are back to close being norm, close to normal on, on the football field. And, and it, again, I, just, I think it'd be premature. I think it'd be too early. Um, Gary, I think his stock could could rise. His, his stock could obviously go in, in, in either direction, right? If, mm-hmm. if he comes out next season and flops and, you know, let's say it's a 55 passer rating in, in, in the preseason and he looks like nonsense, then then maybe the best you're getting for the guy is a three or a four. But if he comes out in the preseason, if he has a great training camp, Gary, and lights it up in the preseason and, and becomes a, a clear-cut number two quarterback, and again, Gary, even if he has to play a month next season and he leads the Packers to a three and one record or something like that, we could be sitting here a year from now and talking that he's worth two number ones, right? Oh, so, precisely. I mean, the, the yeah. Packers could have two, you know, incredibly valuable commodities on their roster at, at, at that particular position. I mean, Gary, just think of the movement we're going to have this off season at the quarterback position alone. I mean, Adam Schefter, who's as good as it gets with, you know, forecasting where things are going in this league predicted that 18 teams are going to have new quarterbacks uh, by the t- time the 2021 season rolls around. It's just, it's going to be a quarterback carousel and a merry-go-round here the next couple of months. It started last week with Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff. And a lot of people don't think it's going to end and until the day we get to the regular season. So, I mean, Gary, if that happens, it just shows you that half of the league on a given year is desperate for a quarterback. And if Green Bay has two of them sitting there, whichever one they decide, and, and love proves Gary that he can play whichever one of those guys green Bay decides to deal 
is going to be worth a heck of a lot. No, no, no question. All right, Rob, let's play. Is he staying or is he going? And uh, while we, while we know Aaron Rodgers is coming back, there seems to be a prevailing opinion that some of his uh, pretty good teammates won't be back. And uh, they'll be victim of the Packers hellacious salary cap situation. Uh, among those players who could go are Pro Bowl center Corey Lindsley, Pro Bowl running back Aaron Jones, and veteran outside linebacker Preston Smith. Rob, let's play the odds. What are the odds of Lindsley coming back? Oh, almost zero, Gary. Wow. I'll put it at I'll put it at ten percent just because you can you can never say never, but but Corey Lindsley met with the media the Monday after the loss to Tampa Bay and, and he sounded resigned to the, to the fact that he'll be in a different uniform next year. I think he'd love to stay. He's a Midwestern guy played at Ohio state. He's a huge part of the community. He was green Bay's good guy this year. I mean, he, he's as good of a guy off the field, Gary, as he is on the field, but I mean, green Bay right now, the projected salary cap Gary is 179 million. It could jump a little bit from that. We're not sure. We haven't gotten any clarity yet from the league on that. But if it stays at that number, it, it could go down though, Packers, too, right? It absolutely could go down, right? More more likely to go down, don't you think? Well, there's there's been some hints lately that that the league might take it up a little bit, almost as a reward for these guys getting through the season with so wow, many challenges, cool. over yeah. Yeah. type situation that that they might pad another five to 10 million into that cap or something like that. Because I think everybody's remarkably impressed that, that we're going to get through an NFL season here, right, Gary, and, mm-hmm. and have a of Super course. Bowl coming up on Sunday. I, I think the odds of that back in August might not have been great, but um, you know, Gary, if it stays in that 180 range, the Packers are still 27 million over. Oh. I mean, they, they can't go ahead now and sign their own guys. They're going to have to get rid of some of their guys, and then let the guys like you mentioned here, Lindsley and Jones and, and people like that probably leave town. So I guess you never fully say never, um, but Corey Lindsay, I'm going to give it a 10% chance, Gary. All right. I had it at 80, 20 that he's gone, but, okay. uh, but I'm more inclined to agree with you. <laughs> it's 90, 10. Okay. Let's move on to uh, Preston Smith. I got him at 90, 10 that he's gone. Yeah, I think that's fair because again, they've, They've got to find a way to chop off, you know, 25 to 30 million, let's call it, once we know this, this official league cap number for the, for the 2021 league year. Um, Preston's going to save him 12, Gary. And Rashawn Gary is ready to play 75, 80% of the staffs, not 45 like he did this year. Preston was, and really, Gary, that, that whole outside linebacker group was unbelievably disappointing in the Tampa Bay game. Mm-hmm. Um, as I rewatched that tape, yes. um, I even thought to myself, do you go crazy and cut Zedaria Smith too? Um, and save yourself, uh, no you know, 16, no 17 way. there. <laughs> I don't think you can do that, but, but Gary, that they're not going to bring back three high priced outside linebackers with Zedarius Preston and the first round money that they're giving to Rashawn Gary. So I'm with you. I I'd say 90, 10 is spot on that Preston Smith will be in a different uniform next year. And the Packers say we will happily take that $12 million savings. Okay. And then we come to the last one, but certainly not the least. And that's uh, Aaron Jones. I say 70, 30, he stays. 
I think that's going against conventional wisdom, but I'm curious to, to see what you think. Yeah, I'd have it 75-25 that he's gone. Um, wow. Unless the Packers want to tag him, Gary, which is which is obviously a, a, a possibility and just put him on a one-year deal, you know, with a franchise-type tag, um, which, which they can do. But then you're, then you're paying him, you know, probably the 13 to $15 million range for – for one season here, Gary, I looked at the last couple of running backs that got big deals, right? Dalvin cook five years, $63 million, 28 of it's guaranteed. So that's 12.6 million a year on cook Derek Henry four years, 50 million. So that's 12 and a half million a year, 25 and a half of that is guaranteed. I just Gary, I think the AJ Dillon era starts in 2021 I think I think Jones and Williams are gone. I think I think AJ Dillon gets 250 carries. I think they take a kid in the third, fourth round um, to be his backup and 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 go young again at that position and let that pair maybe grow up together, kind of like they did Jones Williams when they took him together in 2017. Mm-hmm. I just I think when Green Bay, Russ Ball, you know, Brian Gutekunst, Matt LaFleur, all those guys get together. And they, and they circle positions that, that they value from a high dollar standpoint, Gary, running back, running backs, just not one. They're going to circle. I don't, I don't think in their minds, they think they can have a top five paid quarterback, a top five paid wide receiver, which Devontae will be once they, they have to redo Devonte here in the next year. And then a top five paid running back. And um, plus the left tackles, the number one paid left tackle in football too. So there's, there's only so much to go around. I, I think they believe they can find running backs on the cheap. I think they want to see more of AJ Dillon and see if that Tennessee game is the norm or if that was an aberration. There was certainly a lot there to be excited about that night when he outperformed Derrick Henry on the other sideline. If you remember. Gary. Yeah, so yeah. Um, my, th- my, my thought is Aaron Jones gets a monster deal from somebody else and the Packers take the comp- compensatory pick a year from now. Yeah, no, I, you're you're probably right, but I'll tell you what: if I'm the I'm the Packers, I don't let him go. I, to me, he's yeah so invaluable, and uh, I, I still, you know, I might be in the minority here, but I have questions a bit about Dylan. You know, he, he he flashed at times, but there are a lot of times he looked very very ordinary as well, and uh, that, that that's a huge projection to think that you know AJ Dylan's all of a sudden. <laughs> is going to step into that lineup and, and be as good as Aaron Jones. We'll see. Who knows? Well, Gary, I'll, I'll say this. If they find a way to bring Aaron Jones back and Dylan continues to trend upward and progress, it's the, it's the best one two combo in football. No question. Your, no question. Your offensive line, you would think is going to stay a top five, a top 10 unit. You, you've got um, arguably the best quarterback or in the top three or four in football under center you've got the arguably the best wide receiver you've got an emerging tight end um mvs came on a little bit at the end but you're going to draft a wide receiver you would think maybe a couple of them that that offense gary if jones is back probably doesn't miss a beat um they were number one this year in scoring they were top 10 in passing and running i mean when the, the packers just aren't top 10 in passing and running in the same year gary other than about once a decade i I think the last time was 2013, Eddie Lacy's rookie season. So um, 
hey, you, you know my feelings on Aaron Jones, and, and I've said it on the podcast before. He's as good of a human being as he is a football player, too. Um, but when he got Drew Rosenhaus on his side, <laughs> I think that changed things a little bit, Gary, in terms of no home, no hometown deal. Um, you know, hey, let's let's think outside the box a little bit. Let, let's go big picture, not small picture. Let's bring all 32 teams in, not just one. You know how Drew Rose, Drew Rosenhaus works. It it probably wasn't good news for the Packers the day that Aaron Jones paired up with him. And and my best guess is that uh, you know Jones is probably in a Dolphins uniform or something like that a year from now. Yeah, he's he's not going to have a shortage of suitors. That's for sure. You know, you, you were talking about uh, the Packers drafting a wide receiver, and uh, last week I forgot who it was uh, came out with a mock draft and had the Packers selecting a kid named Tutu Atwell, a receiver from Louisville. And uh, it, it, it piqued my curiosity. Do you, do you know anything about this guy, Rob? Before I No, I don't. I haven't done – Yeah, I haven't gotten in a lot of my draft prep yet, Gary. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, and we'll be talking about this, you know, on another podcast. But anyways, this guy is probably five foot nine, okay? And, th- and that might be a stretch. And, and when I saw his uh, stats, I think he weighs like 160 pounds somewhere in that ballpark. I go, this guy's a projected first round pick. And, <laughs> and then I started looking at some of the film. Oh my God, is he electrifying? Uh, one of the most electrifying players I've ever seen. And uh, he, he, he kind of reminds me of Tyreek Hill. And obviously that, that's a, a huge comparison there and, and in no way, shape or form. And, like comparing Atwell to uh, Tyreek uh, Tyree Hill. But there are similarities in the blazing speed and, and the ability to make big plays. And if you ever get some time, Rob, just, just take a gander at this kid. It's unbelievable for a guy that small to be that electrifying and, and productive. So, well, anyways. They, they haven't taken a wide receiver since Javon Walker in right. round one, you know, 17, 18 years ago. It's, it, it's probably time to give the quarterback another another weapon there. And it sounds like that guy would have the potential to be a slot guy, and the Packers are desperate for a good slot receiver. So, And, and um, you know what, Rob? The guy actually returns kicks, and he does there you go. darn well. <laughs> there, you, yeah, there, there you go. And, and, and if any unit on that football team needs some juice, it's special teams. Speaking of which, uh, they jettisoned their special teams coach uh, last week, Sean Menenga, and they also jettisoned uh, – their defense coordinator, Mike Pettin. And uh, based on our conversations we've had uh, this season, I, I don't think you or I are bitterly disappointed by those developments. Uh, in fact, I applaud the Packers for doing it. I, I would have fired Pettin last year, to be honest with you. Um, your thoughts? Yeah, Manega, absolutely no surprise whatsoever. Uh, Matt LaFleur announced on Monday, made it official that you know, Menenga's number two, his sidekick, Maurice Drayton, will take over now as, as special teams coordinator. I always have issues with that, Gary, when when your units are bad, when you're firing the head guy, and then you're promoting his assistant. The Packers have done that yes. a couple, yes. couple different times here now with, with special teams. Promote from within from a remarkably, you know, dismal and, and miserable group. I, I'm not sure why you would stay in-house Mm-hmm. I can't think of a lot of times, Gary, when, when a team 
or a unit on a team has been disappointing and performed so poorly. And then you promote, you know, the number two from that group and things all of a sudden somehow get better about the, I was trying to think of this earlier, Gary, about the only thing I could come up with was you remember when the Brewers were making a pennant run in 2008 and they were slumping near the end of the year. And with about a week left, they fired Ned Yost and, and promoted his, you know, his number two, Dale Swaim. And then they went, I don't know, eight and four, something like that down the stretch with, with Dale Swaim and they made the playoffs. They still lost right away to the Phillies. But um, other than that, Gary, I mean, I just, I can't think of a lot of times when, when you promote from a, from kind of a disappointing or a bad group and things suddenly get better. There's a lot of people singing Maurice Drayton's praises right now. And Matt LaFleur hinted he was worried he might, he might lose him to another team at some point in time coming up. But, you know, Gary, this, I, I think the Packers were 29th and 26th the last two years in the Goslin ratings, which mm-hmm. are kind of the gold standard. I mean, they, they haven't been good on special teams since 2007. Um, that's that is the last time they've had a pretty respectable unit there. So Murray Strayton has his work cut out for him, Gary. I'll, I'll say that we're looking at, we're pushing 15 years right now of, of pretty lousy special teams play in green Bay where, where they're, they're in the bottom quarter of those Goslin ratings almost every single year. <laughs> and, um, if Drayton can turn that thing around, Gary, I guess more power to him, but, um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't bet on it to happen because we've got a long list of failures that have, that have taken that chair in the last 15 years. Well, I, I, I'm totally with you. I mean, this guy had to have some input in how they conducted their special teams business. I mean, it's not like he was just there, you know, doing whatever for Meninga. I mean, <laughs> if you're an assistant, you're a valuable piece. And to say that all of a sudden now you're going to turn this thing around. I mean, why didn't you try to turn it around it while you're, you know, that assistant coach? Yeah, no, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Like I said, I, I, I'm never a fan of, of promoting from within if you're firing the head guy and then taking his number two or his sidekick. It, it doesn't work out a great deal, Gary. And, and again, I, I wouldn't put a lot of faith in it working out this time either. So We'll see. So, you know, they said that uh, the word out of Green Bay was that uh, Penton's contract wasn't going to be renewed. Do you, do you think that was a flat out fire? I mean, that technically it's not, but that they weren't going to bring him back no matter what. Yeah. So Penton let his con. you know, most assistant coaches, Gary, roll it over every year. So they don't mm-hmm. come back as lame ducks. And, and after the, the 2019 season, Penton, Petten decided, or, or maybe he and LaFleur did together, but Petten certainly had enough input that they decided not to roll his contract over. So he, he did coach in the final year of his deal here in, in 2020, and it gave him the opportunity to walk when the season was done. Um, and it also gave the Packers a, a real clear avenue to move on from him if, if that's what they chose. Uh, Alex Van Pelt, the, you know, the old uh, quarterbacks coach in Green Bay did something similar late in his tenure with Mike McCarthy. He wanted to go out and explore offensive coordinator jobs. And, and I know he wasn't sure he'd get that chance. And he let his contract run out before he went ahead and did that, Gary. I'm with you. I would have fired Petten after 19. I wouldn't have fired him this time. Um, it's rare, Gary, for the Packers to have a top 10 defense on a whole. And that's where this group ended up. Now I know we can, we can nitpick and, 
and go back and find games and plays and all that kind of stuff where, where they were disappointing and things like that. But um, obviously the one that jumps out is the final play of the first half of the Tampa Bay loss in the NFC championship game. You know, when Penton decided to go with just the one deep safety instead of at least two and even three, um, you know, Matt LaFleur does, deserves a lot of blame for that too though Gary because he can sign off on any play call at any point in time and and he actually did take a lot of the blame um at the season ending press conference on Monday but um Gary I thought the Packer defense got better and better as 2020 went along um the the one thing Lafleur talks a lot about is is swarming to the ball and energy things like that I thought they had that the second half of the season uh certainly down the stretch that that defense, Gary, I think from, you know, about week 11 through the Rams game, the first round of the, you know, the divisional playoffs was only allowing about 18 points a game. Well, mm-hmm. if you do that with that offense that was averaging 31, you're going to win more than your share of games. I, I know they had some meltdowns in the Tampa Bay game, but they also picked Brady off three times in the second half. Um, I think Mike Patton's a pretty good football coach. Um, I think they're going to be hard pressed to find a guy better. They may do it. And and Matt LaFleur at the end of the day, I think wanted his own guy at some point in time. We'll find out Gary too. He was very cryptic yesterday and, and didn't kind of answer the question. Um, and, and very guarded, I guess, and secretive about is, is he going to play a three, four, a four, three moving forward? Um, so we'll see, maybe he wants an overall change in philosophy in terms of how they're running that defense. Um, so there's going to be a lot of interesting things to watch on that front. Jim Leonard, the Badger court was university of Wisconsin defensive coordinator, obviously, um, or he is one of the main candidates, Gary. And I think obviously he'd be a terrific hire if they could get him in as a, as, as a UW football nut, Gary, I hope he doesn't leave Madison um, because I think he would be a terrific head coach eventually for Paul Christ down the road. So um I'm hoping personally that Matt LaFleur goes a direction other than Jim Leonard, but I think for Packer nation, that would be a pretty exciting hire. Uh, Jerry Gray is a guy who's on staff already. Who's been a defensive coordinator in a couple different places. He's the defensive backs coach right now. He's an in-house guy, Gary, that when Matt LaFleur brought him in last year, a lot of people thought it was the D coordinator and waiting uh, if, and when he moved on from Mike Pettin and they're in the middle of interviewing another half a dozen guys from around the league. So We'll see how this plays out, Gary. I, I'll just I'll just say this. I don't think Mike Pettin was the problem on that football team when it's all said and done. I thought that defense was improving. It, it's probably going to continue to improve because they've got a lot of young talent at various spots on the field. And um, it, it, it's a critical, it, it, you know, I, I don't think it's an overstatement to say it's probably the biggest hire right now, Matt LaFleur's tenure. Yeah. Yeah. There's speculation that, that Gray would go to a four man fund. Correct. Correct. Okay. See, that's my guy right now. <laughs> you like that, huh? okay. that, that has been one of my biggest criticisms of Petten was the fact that he always played a three, four defense. And, you know, that's well and good if you have all the pieces and certainly uh, Kenny Clark is one of those pieces. I mean, an outstanding nose tackle. But then you go beyond that to your inside linebackers. And I, I feel like, hey, if you're going to play a 3-4 like Tampa Bay does, you better have great inside linebackers. And Tampa Bay does. Um, you, you look at the Packers, they got players that have had their moments like Chris Barnes and Christian Kirksey and Kamal Martin and 
Ty Summers and Oren Burks, but none of those guys I would consider an elite inside linebacker, somebody that you could constantly rely on to make big plays. And uh, to me, it was just like a bad fit. Uh, the design did not meet the uh, players you had available to you. So uh, I'm all in favor of going to a four-man front. And uh, if Gray's the guy, <laughs> I would applaud that uh, decision in a heartbeat. Well, I don't think anybody would argue with you, Gary, that inside linebacker was the weakest spot of this football team. You know, but then you come back to, was that a Brian Gutekunst issue? Was that a Ted Thompson issue in terms of never finding those guys? Or was that a Dom Capers and then eventually a Mike Pettin issue mm -hmm. in terms of coaching him up and getting the most out of him? I mean, they, they haven't had a dominant inside linebacker, I would say, since Desmond Bishop in the, in the Super Bowl season in 2010 when I thought Bishop was absolutely outstanding. I mean, Hawk was just a guy. Blake Martinez was a pretty good football player, um, made a lot of tackles just where you lined him up on the field. This year, Gary, like you just outlined, a lot of guys that were very mediocre, you know, to, to probably poor who played that spot. You know, you, you go back, Gary, and we went through, are they going to be back or not? Kirksey's another guy. I right. Save $6 million there to wave goodbye to him. Um, and, him and, and I think that's a real easy choice to move on from Christian Kirksey after, yeah. after the season that he just had. And, and if you're in salary cap hell, and you need to find a way to dig yourself out of, of 25 or $30 million, that's a pretty good start. So um, no, it, it'll be fascinating, Gary. I mean, if they do make that switch it, it, to a four, three, the draft will have to largely be centered around defense and finding the pieces then that fit for the new defensive coordinator. You know, you're going to, you're, you're, you're going to need a totally different type of body structure up front, mm -hmm. um, really across the board or the, uh, of, of, of the front seven, the back doesn't change really whatsoever. I mean, then, then all of a sudden does Rashawn Gary put his, put his hand on the ground. Is, is he, is he a, a four, three end all of a sudden? Yes, um, he is. <laughs> yeah, he probably is right. You bulk yeah. him back up to 285 yeah. or 290 and, yeah, and, and he, play him there instead of 270 and outside linebacker. You know what, what do you do exactly with Zadarius Smith at that point in time? Right. Mm -hmm. Where does, where does Clark go? Now you need another end. Can Lowry play end? I don't know. They, they probably have to switch four or five pieces on that front seven, Gary, if they, if they go ahead and make that move to a four, three. So it'll, it'll be really interesting. Um, because if they go that direction, Gary, it, it really becomes the center point of their off season is rebuilding that front seven. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it would be a radical change if they did it. And who knows if it would, if it would work again, it, you know, would they have the pieces to make it work? So let me ask you this. If that play didn't occur right before halftime and uh, Kevin King didn't, uh, you know, have brain lock for a couple <laughs> seconds and, and let Miller catch a touchdown pass. Would Petten still be the defense coordinator? I'm going to say no on that, Gary. And, and here's the only reason why. When a guy like Petten lets his contract run out, to me, yeah. it's a sign that he might want out of town as much as they want him out of town. Sure. So, good point. You know, good it, point. it was an arranged marriage there, right? Between Mike Petten and Matt LaFleur. Mike McCarthy hired, hired Mike Petten, not, not LaFleur. And LaFleur kept him with his first staff. Uh, they worked together for two years. You wonder after that first year, if Petten just thought, eh, I don't like this that much. I'm going to let my contract run out for whatever reason that it wasn't 
you know, totally copacetic there with a, with a 40 year old football coach that he was all of a sudden taking orders from if Mike Pettin wanted to go in a different direction himself um, from a Packers standpoint, Gary, it's a lot like fourth and 26 back in the day with Ed Donatel, right? Absolutely. Somebody's, yep. somebody's yep. got to be the fall guy. Yep. Um, I thought Mike Sherman made a terrible mistake back in the day. I thought Ed Donatel was a really good defensive coordinator and that, and those old three Packers were playing really good football and really good defense um, as that season wound down. But after fourth and 26 to Freddie Mitchell, Mike Sherman felt the kind of compelled to do something and he dumped Ed Donatel and Ed Donatel still is still in the league uh, doing good things in various places. Gary, he has been for 17 more years and uh, Mike Patton's a really good football coach. I, I, I fully believe that Gary um, and he's going to wind up just fine. He'll end up on his feet somewhere, but, but I think it was as much Patton wanting to be out of green Bay, maybe as Lafleur wanting to leave town well you know if 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 there was any doubt whatsoever that Petten wasn't coming back they were totally uh blown away in the uh, post-game press conference with Lafleur when 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 he threw him under the bus he said yep. it was the wrong defense you know for that situation and how many head coaches come out and make that comment about one of their assistants I mean he, he flat out threw him under the bus he let it hang in the air then too, Gary, for eight days that, that you know, in essence, that it was Mike Petton's fault because Matt LaFleur didn't talk again until, you know, this week on Monday, February 1st, it was eight days after the NFC championship game. And Matt LaFleur tried to take some of the blame or a lot of the blame back onto his own shoulders at a season ending press conference saying all play calls run through me. And that was really my fault as much as Mike's and things like that. But for more than a week, Gary, he let Petten kind of float there in the wind and he let Packer Absolutely. Nation, you know, put a Mike Petten picture on their dartboards and just start firing away at the, at the Petten picture. And um, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of that approach from, from a head coach to, to assign blame to a lot of other people rather than pointing the finger back at themselves. And because as LaFleur mentioned, Gary, whether it's special teams, defenses or off or defense or offense, he has final say on every single play call. Everything goes through his headset. He knew just what was going to happen, uh, you know, on the field, that particular play, just with the one deep safety and that he'd have man coverage on the outside with King and Miller. He's the one who in essence has final sayings signed off on it. So, you know, yes, it, terrible mistake by Petten, but just as big of a mistake by, by LaFleur well, for signing always, off. Yeah. They, they always say, you know, losing uh, kind of reveals a person's true character. Right. Uh, when, a, after that loss uh, in the NFC Championship game, you know, Rodgers throws Lafleur under the bus. Lafleur throws uh, Petten under the bus, and I go, "Come on!" I, I know it's an emotional moment and stuff like that, but you, you just don't make comments publicly like they did. And Gary, can you imagine what it would have been like if it was if it was an open locker room and guys oh. weren't walking into a Zoom camera? Yes. These, these were guys throwing people under the bus with a PR guy standing over their shoulder talking into a Zoom camera. Can you imagine if it's an open locker room where there's 50 reporters floating around getting one-on-one -on -one interviews? I, the, the, the damage and the fire would have been dramatically uh, greater, Gary, if, uh, you know, if, if it was a normal football season. I mean, it, it was bad enough, like you said, on its own 
with Rodgers and LaFleur both ducking blame from from pretty big pretty big things in that football game and and I'll, I'll just tell you if it was a normal season with a regular open locker room there would have been a lot more people throwing a lot more people under the bus yes there would have been a few uh, newspapers sold the next day that, that's for sure um yeah, no, it, it's going to be interesting. Well, I'll tell you what, we're uh, heading into the fourth quarter here of the podcast, and uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Sunday's Super Bowl. And the Super Bowl is always one of the most highly anticipated and watched sporting events in the world. And I, I can't imagine, Rob, what's going to go down Sunday. I mean, the uh, TV ratings should be, you know, out of this world. And you got like the ultimate matchup, Tom Brady, the goat. And then you got Patrick Mahomes, who I call Rob, the kid, get it, kid, the goat. Yep. Nice. <laughs> so anyways, but uh, you know, Gary, Gary, you could have a future in this business. Uh, I don't think so. Not even. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, I, I think it's going to be one hell of a game. I, I, I hope it is at least because, you know, it, it has the makings of being a classic. Uh, the Chiefs are three-point favorites, and I think that by itself tells you what the odds makers think of this game and, and how close it will be. And, and it really hasn't moved, I don't think, Gary, that line for the most part since, since they put it out. And tells you the general public believes it's going to be an awfully close game, too, and the wise guys in Vegas obviously do as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's fascinating, right? Tom Brady with the six Super Bowl championships right now. It's his 10th appearance in, in the big game. Patrick Mahomes has won. I, I think, I think without question, I mean, the, the argument has been put to rest in the last couple of years that the GOAT is Tom Brady and, and anybody else in that discussion right now is laughable. But the one guy in the league right now, a decade from today, Gary, that we could be saying is pushing Brady and maybe is caught and even past Brady is Patrick Mahomes. And, and the, the, the fascinating thing here, Gary, you know, is if Brady wins, he goes up 7-1 in Super Bowls over Mahomes, right? Okay. If Mahomes wins, it's 6-2. to two. And if you look at how the Chiefs are constructed, Mahomes is a bargain yet for another couple of years. They backloaded that monster deal he did this season. And they've got all their key components, uh, you know, the, the Kelseys, the, you know, the defensive stalwarts on, on that team, the, the Tyreek Hills, the young running back, the, the left tackle, um, Sammy Watkins, uh, Erdman. They, they've got these guys all over the field, Gary, that, that are stud football players that mm -hmm. are going to be there for the next two or three years. That The Chiefs have about a five-year window here where Mahomes can really make some ground up on Brady um, in the chase for Super Bowls. Um, Brady was smart. He got out of that conference, right? He he saw the he saw the future in that in that conference was Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs with all this young talent, explosive players all over the board. Really, an underrated defense, Gary. That that defense is a lot better, I think, than people think. They showed it against Buffalo. They've showed it a, a, a lot of big moments throughout this season. So, I'm really fascinated in that quarterback matchup when it's all said and done, Gary. Is that going to be seven one or six two? I think Mahomes wins the day. And he makes some ground up here in this game on, on Brady that it's six to two when it's all done. And, and, and I'll be honest, I, I, I have a hard time believing anybody's ever going to catch Brady with those six Super Bowl championships. But if mm -hmm. anybody's going to, it's Patrick Mahomes. He's that good. Um, you can strip him down of, of some of these 
really high priced pro bowls, talented type players that he has. And I still think he's going to be winning championships, Gary into his thirties, but getting to six is really tough. And, um, but I think he's going to get number two come Sunday and make up some ground on Brady um, in really what to me is as fascinating of a Super Bowl as we've had in, in many, many years. You know, uh, I, I think as reporters, we, you know, subconsciously all have guys that we like, you know, players that we uh, have more interest in, in, in others. And I have to say, I am absolutely enamored with Patrick Mahomes that, the poise and the maturity he has for how old is he about 24 25 I think that's right 24 25 something like that Gary yeah yeah and the other thing is I know Brady has a lot of a lot of critics he's taken a lot of grief over the years and I think part of that is the fact that he's won so often everybody's taking shots at the king but uh did you by any chance see the interview on the NFL network it was on Monday night uh, they had Brady and Mahomes together, and uh, it was really a fascinating interview. But um, I, I'm, I'm trying to recall what game it was, but uh, they played each other, and after the game, they, they couldn't get near each other. Was it the AFC Championship game? Does that make sense? So last year, Brady went out in the wild card round, so they wouldn't have seen the Chiefs. I think two years ago it was, yes. Okay, two, two years ago, but – they, they I think could, that was the 38 uh, 35 overtime game that New England won. Yeah, Brady, Brady wanted to, uh, you know, congratulate Mahomes and wish him well, but he said it was so uh, crowded that he couldn't get to him. Well, later on, they ran into each other, and Brady made an effort to go out of the way to talk to Mahomes and, uh, you know, convey his feelings about him and saying what a bright future he has. I, I, I thought it was a really classy move. and. Mahomes came back and said that was kind of like the turning point in his career that Brady would go out of his way to talk to him and encourage him and uh, just just two classy guys. Yeah, I and you know, th this is one of those games, Gary, that, you know, I, I kind of use my wife as the barometer for like how big of a game it's going to be, right? Did, did she like approve it, that? <laughs> like, no, she doesn't. But two years ago, for example, right, we have Patriots Rams. She has no idea who Jared Goff is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. She obviously knows Tom Brady. This, this is one of those crossovers that, you know, people across the board, they know the names, right? Brady, Mahomes. Yes, you're going to in just for yeah. that. And, you know, you're, you're going to get incredibly high viewership either way, but it jumps another 10 or 20% when you get this kind of name value and, and name recognition. I mean, you, you touched on how enamored you are and fascinated by Mahomes, and I'm with you. But, Gary, as, as, as a guy who's getting older myself, I, I, I am that way and then some with Brady, that at 43 you – know. He can, he can still be doing this. And now he's talking, you know, 45, 46, 47, playing and, in, you know, in, into that stage of his career. You know, I, I thought Favre was the all-time Ironman. He went to 40 and, um, you know, he didn't miss a start until his last two or three in, in Minnesota. Brady just keeps chucking along and, um, you know, switches teams, doesn't miss a beat. Um, Gary, what he's doing defies father time. It defies logic. Um, it defies anything we've ever seen in this sport. I mean, Gary, if he can get a Super Bowl total to seven, eight, nine, something like that, I mean, it, we're talking about the greatest player in any sport, probably ever, aren't we? 
Um, you know, what What he's in the midst of is just fascinating and remarkable. And and then you look at Tampa's team too, right, Gary? I mean, that's that team is built for the long haul. Um, there's young talent studs all over the place that Brady could get a couple uh, when it's all said and done with, with the Buccaneers. I mean, he, he, there's no doubt he picked the right spot to, to go to. He's getting the last laugh in this Brady-Belichick divorce, that's for sure. And, um, again, two absolutely fascinating human beings and quarterbacks, and, and Brady's the guy I'm certainly most fascinated with, Gary. Uh, Brady, Brady is, is obviously remarkable, but um, I don't know if you saw this story or not, Rob. It came out uh, earlier this week, but Brady – kicked out his family from his house did you hear about this i did <laughs> I, many days gary i'd like to do the same thing <laughs> that, that reminds me of a uh, nba uh, pro scout I, I spoke to over the summer and i asked him if uh, he and his wife were social distancing and he goes gary we have been so socially distancing for about 10 years now <laughs> <laughs> but anyways um but but what really to me, that's not about Brady in the last couple of years is his commitment to the game. I mean, he has absolutely nothing to prove. You would think the thrill is gone and uh, he, he'd be going through the motions, but it's anything but that. I mean, it, it seems like he's as consumed with football as he uh, has ever been. Yeah, I, I'd encourage the listeners just to Google his diet once too. I mean, you, you talk about a guy with nothing to prove. Did you say diet? Years old and- <laughs> And, and just check day in and day out what he's putting into his body, Gary. I mean, a, a, a big splurge for him is to have a piece of chicken, um, you know, things like that. Just what, what he's eating is, I mean, healthy doesn't even begin to describe it. it you know, it's, it's healthy to the 10th power and, um, you know, not a lick of fat, no carbs, any of that kind of stuff. I mean, he doesn't eat like you and I eat, Gary, that's for sure. Or most people inside you know, the national football league and no, he's totally come to the realization. The only way he's going to go until his mid to late forties is, is by treating his body like a temple. Most of us don't have the willpower to ever do something like that. He does Gary. What I I was amazed with in that game a couple weeks ago at Lambeau field is just how strong his arm still is. I mean, there were a couple of throws, especially early in that game when, when Petten started to blitz him more, he, he put a couple up moon balls up there that, that looked pretty bad. And he showed his age, I thought on those, but early on when Tampa was taking control of that game and went ahead 20 to 10, uh, 28 to 10, he had some zip on some balls. There was one over the middle to that rookie wide receiver from Minnesota Johnson. That was just hummed. I mean, you would have thought Favre was throwing that football and the kid dropped it. Um, you know, he had a few balls like that through the course of the day where I was like, good Lord, how is this a 43-year-old man still whipping the ball around like that? And um, clearly the way to beat him is to get him off his spot, to get him to move around the pocket. The legs aren't what they were. The arm sure is. Um, and that's Tampa's challenge. I mean, they, they, hey, they got to Rodgers five times a couple weeks ago in, in that game and, and beat him around like a rag doll most of that day. Um Kansas City's going to be without the left tackle. It's an enormous loss. You saw what losing Bakhtiari meant to Green Bay. The Chiefs' left tackle isn't in, the, in that same stratosphere. But um, I think I think I saw the Chiefs are three and three uh, over the last couple of years. You know um, when they've had to make a shift there and, and, and change that left tackle position. So and I think they've only got one loss outside of that when 
when that that's not the case, Gary. So that that that's a big, you know, not now JPP and Barrett and, and some of those guys are coming against a backup tackle on that side of the field. It's going to play a big, a big role in that game. Um, you know, in terms of, of getting after, getting after Mahomes. So we'll, we'll see Gary. It's um, it, it, it's a fascinating matchup in a, in a lot of ways. And um, yeah, I, I, I can't wait. I, I do think Mahomes wins the day though. Um, you know me, I love Brady almost as much as Matt Stafford. Um, but uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, I think this is Patrick Mahomes' second rank. And I respectfully disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, you're going Brady. I, I am. I all season long, Rob. I, I thought nobody would touch Kansas City. I mean, they were my preseason pick to win it all. And uh, I, 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 on paper, I mean, that's a hell of an offensive team, and, and they're going to score a lot of points against anybody. But I just have a gut feeling the old man's going to do it again. And uh, Gronkowski, to me, could be the X factor. He's been sneakily quiet in recent weeks. And uh, I think now that he's on the big stage, uh, we're going to see why he is considered by many of the greatest tight ends ever. So, but again, I, I just hope it's a great game. I, I could care less who wins, but I, I hope it's, you know, goes down to the last play, you know, something uh, dramatic. Well, I, I think it will. I mean, most of our Super Bowls, the, the, the Super Bowls are nothing like the 80s and 90s, right, Gary, where you you remember back in the day, right? San Francisco would blow out the chargers or, right. you know, Dallas was blowing out the bills by the end of the, the bills. Oh, the Cowboys were in a straight Super Bowl? trip. Oh, okay. Yeah. 95. <laughs> I, I, I know, I know that's your favorite team, Gary. Absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> no, I mean, Hey, this league is so close on a given Sunday, which is what, you know, which is what the last couple of commissioners have always wanted. Right. Every, you know, two thirds of the games being decided by a touchdown or less. Um, and that's where it is on a normal Sunday. There's no reason to think it won't be that way when you bring the best two teams in the league together. Yeah. I, you know, Gary, I'm going to go 31, 27 chiefs. Um, and, and I I'm with you. I, I think it's a, Hey, it could be a lot like last year where Mahomes has to rally and back like he did against the 49ers late in that game. We'll see. But I, you know, I, I think without question, it's a one score game decided in the last couple couple of minutes again and, and i'll flip it I'll, I'll i'll say the same score with the bucks uh, prevailing and uh rob what, what are we putting on this here uh around the golf yeah let's do that okay that's that'll, that'll, that'll work so if, if if i win we're going to whistling straights <laughs> and if you, you win we go to shoot park and racine <laughs> if i win you're going to get us into augusta <laughs> there you go hey uh, when, when the uh lions and uh, rams trade was made uh, or announced last week one of the first people i thought of was you because of uh your respect for matthew stafford i i, I know you've always been a big matthew stafford fan and i uh, just wanted to pick your uh, brains on that for just a few minutes um were you surprised first of all to see that go down I was surprised with the haul, Gary, that the Lions were able to get. Mm -hmm. And and that's why I go back to this, like we talked about at the start of the podcast, letting this quarterback situation in Green Bay play itself out and eventually dealing one of them. Because if, if you have two high-quality high quarterbacks at some point in time, you just saw that the Lions got a player, two ones, and a three. 
mm-hmm. for a 33-year-old Matthew Stafford, I think, right? 32, 33, somewhere in there. The Rams clearly believe their window is right now. Um, they went all in on Jalen Ramsey. Um, they, they gave Donald big time money. Um, they've got young talent on the offensive side of the ball that Sean McVay didn't think could flourish with Jared Goff throwing 10 and 12 yard passes. They want to stretch the field vertically. I mean, that was the number one defense in football, right? When it came came to green Bay and then in the playoffs there and that, and you know, you didn't see him at their best, obviously that day with Aaron Donald being beat up, but, but the Rams think, you know, their time is now. So they they're going all in and, and Hey, I give them credit for doing it. Um, I've said for years, Matthew Stafford's one of the two or three most underrated players in the league. He holds every lions passing record. There is Um, he's a little bit of a gun slinger. My guess is that'll change a little bit with McVay. Um, and they'll try to get that out of them. But I mean, still just an enormous arm can make all the throws smart as a whip. I, I just, I love the guy's toughness. And I, I think the Rams, Gary immediately jump into a discussion when we start talking Super Bowl teams out of the NFC in 2021, to me, the three or four that have kind of separated themselves already are, are Tampa green Bay and the Rams. And we'll see what the rest of the off season holds, but I know, I know the Rams odds went from 18 to one to 15 to one uh, immediately in Vegas to win the Super Bowl after that trade. Um, so that tells, tells you what the wise guys in the desert think of Matthew Stafford too. They love him as much, maybe even more than I do because that um, that's a pretty big jump to go from 18 to one to 15 to one. And that's, and that's where the Rams went that day. And, and Gary, just for a guy like Stafford, who I've always respected, you know, good for him now to get out of, to get out of such a, such a brutal situation and, and to leave such a losing franchise. And now to have a chance probably, you know, to go deep into the playoffs next season. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy for that guy. And um, it's, it, you know, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast, right? Detroit's always in rebuild mode. Here they go again. They'll try to, they'll try to take those ones and, and the three that they're going to get for, for Stafford and, and start over and they'll find their quarterback. I'm sure Gary in, in this year's draft, because I don't think it's going to be Jared Goff or if it is it's short term and, um, and they'll go from there, but you know, kudos to Stafford for getting away from the Detroit organization and probably having a really good chance now to go to a Super Bowl. Remember last week in our parting shots, I talked about the Packers winning the super or going to the Super Bowl next year, but I also pref- prefaced it by saying, the way, way too early prediction. <laughs> this is why you say those things, Rob. <laughs> I mean, I, I thought it was a hell of a move for the Rams, but I also thought it was a great trade for the Lions. And um, I, I think there's a lot of people that think like, you know, uh, Jared Goff was a throw-in. I, I, I don't see that it being the case at all. I mean, the guy is only 26 years old. He's been to uh, two Pro Bowls. He's been to the Super Bowl. And those numbers are better than Stafford's and, you know, people also forget I'm a big Stafford fan too, but his touchdown to interception ratio is, isn't brilliant. It's not elite. And uh, I, I think that's, you know, of concern, but what a great trade. I mean, that, that has to be one of the best uh, trades in the NFL in a long, long time. And Gary, get used to it. That is going to be the 2021 off season. That was just the start. We're going to have one of the wildest and wackiest off seasons that 
I think when it's all said and done, we're, we're going to ever, you know, maybe in the history of the league, it's, you're going to see so much movement here from a trade standpoint, like, like, like we touched on earlier, you know, let's say Deshaun Watson gets moved. That's going to start Domino's Gary of five, six, seven teams, right? Mm-hmm. Watson, let's just say to the jets, then, you know, then they've got to send Darnold somewhere and wherever he goes, that team sends We're there's going to be so much movement this off season, Gary, that, you know, the Stafford golf thing just kicked it off, but, but the off season that the NFL has coming up right now is going to be almost as interesting as the season itself. Yeah, that, that, that'll be awesome. I, I mean, that's been one of my beefs with the NFL over the years was the lack of trades and lack of interest that it generated, you know, among its fans. I mean, I thought that's where the NBA kind of excels. They make a lot of moves, major league baseball. So I, I, I hope you're right. It just makes the uh, product more interesting, but uh, that leads us to our parting shots. And uh Mine, Rob, is something you touched on at the outset of the podcast and, and, and just a little bit uh, prior to this. But uh, Sam Farmer, the highly respected NFL reporter for the LA Times, dropped a nugget last week. And I'm sure you're aware of it. But uh, Farmer wrote that the Rams, while shopping Jared Goff, had conversations with the Green Bay Packers about the availability of Aaron Rodgers. And uh, the talks obviously didn't go anywhere. Uh, the Packers aren't trading Rodgers, but it got me thinking, what if the Packers decided to give, you know, some serious thought to moving Rodgers? What if they put out the word to all the other 31 NFL teams that Rodgers is available for the right price? And that would be an exorbitant price. Can you imagine the offers the Packers would receive for Aaron Rodgers? I mean, the Rams, like we had uh, talked about, gave up two first-round picks, a third-round pick, and uh, a young quarterback uh, that uh, has a chance to still be, you know, pretty darn good. And uh, just a couple years ago, he led them into the Super Bowl. Can can you imagine what the Packers could get uh, if the Lions got potentially four starters for Stafford? Man, what could the Packers get for Aaron Rodgers? Um, what do you think? Three first round picks, two second rounders, a good player. I mean, it's conceivable. They could potentially get like six players for Rogers. If you're going to go off the, uh, Matthew Stafford trade. I, I think that's a fair guess, Gary, you know, Rogers is five years older, but he's also a more accomplished and a better player. Three ones for sure. Yeah. Now that, that would be to me anyways, something really, really hard to turn down for as great as Rogers has been. He hasn't taken to the Packers uh, to the Super Bowl in more than a decade. And we're also talking about a quarterback that is closer to the finish line than the starting line. So uh, it, it certainly didn't make any sense uh, for the Packers to trade Rodgers now. But what if Jordan Love, whom the Packers moved up you know, in last year's draft to uh, select, convincingly shows the Packers brass. He's ready to roll after next season. Would the Packers pull a trigger on a trade for Rodgers then, knowing how they could actually secure some major pieces in their uh, puzzle going forward? Stay tuned. Nice. Good stuff, Gary. Well, thanks. Yeah, no, I, I think it's kind of intriguing. You know, do you hold on to a guy that has, has been the face of the franchise for a long time, or you say, hey, this is a business and we have an opportunity to 
make this team even better, you know, going forward. Uh, I, I, they're going to get a ton next year if, if they uh, throw Rodgers out there. If Rodgers plays anywhere near his 2020 level, Gary, you're absolutely right. That's that. That's probably three ones. Or I know he'll be a year older now. A year from now, he'd be 38 and change. So maybe two ones and two twos or something yeah, like that. But yeah, yeah. The, the asking price, you know, the the price in general would be astronomical. And if you felt good enough about Jordan Love, and all of a sudden you could surround him, number one, you'd have that salary cap savings too, Gary. And then number two. If you brought back that, you know, that level of, of draft pick, boy, oh boy, you could set yourself up for a nice run in the 2020s. Exactly. All right. Gary, at a season-ending season press conference yesterday, I asked Matt LaFleur if he had to do it over again, would he kick a field goal on fourth and goal at the eighth or would he go for it? Here was his answer. It is what it is. It didn't work out. You know, I'll own it. But if I had to do it again, if it's fourth and goal from the eight-yard line, we're kicking the field goal. Wow. We're kicking the field goal. <laughs> Gary, you know what the definition of insanity is? Exactly. It's doing the same thing over and over yeah. again and expecting different results. Matt LaFleur has been beaten up across this state for the last eight or nine days, and I'm not going to pummel him right now, Gary. He's a smart guy. Um, he's led the Packers to a 26 and six record. He's been cutting edge. He's been better. I think than anybody anticipated when they brought him to town two years ago, you would hope though, a young coach would learn from his mistakes and do things differently the next time around. We touched on it at great length in last week's podcast. The analytics didn't support Matt LaFleur. And on a larger scale, the risk-reward factor did not support Matt LaFleur's decision there. You've got the MVP on your sideline with Aaron Rodgers. You have the GOAT on the other side in Tom Brady, who you're contemplating giving the ball back to. If the Packers had gone for it, down 31-23 with two minutes to go on fourth and goal from the eighth, Gary, and missed, Tampa starts at the eight-yard line. Instead, they kick the field goal, kick the ball off. Green Bay loses time, and they lose 10 yards of field position. And then they're, they're in the exact same position they were had they missed the try for a touchdown in terms that they need a stop and they need a touchdown in that football game. So, honestly, Gary, I was a little disappointed in Matt LaFleur's answer. I, I, I thought he would have learned a valuable lesson in the NFC championship game. I thought he would have said in the future, um, we would go ahead and go for it, especially with a guy like Aaron Rodgers. He said, instead, you've got to play the percentages. We had three shots at it, gained no yards, and that's how it is. Some people will agree. Some people will disagree. But in my heart, that's what I felt like was the best decision for us. And unfortunately, it didn't work out. Gary, I would argue that if he picks that road in the future, it won't work out again. I would hope he learns from his past mistake. And even though he tried to back up that decision on Monday, I would hope he chooses a different path because right now that's a path that led the Packers or that was a big part, at least of the Packers bowing out of the postseason this year. And I think Packer nation deserves better from its head coach 
than to trot down that road again and pick insanity when he gets to the end of that road. Rob, very good, as usual. Uh, you deserve to be complimented for asking the questions because I guarantee at 90% of your colleagues wouldn't have asked that question. That, that, that's a very touchy, delicate question, but uh, I, I applaud you for asking it. That, that was good, and his, his response is, to me, startling. <laughs> and it's like, hey, why is he so stubborn? I mean, just own up to it and say, hey, you know, or at, at the very least say, Hey, I don't know. You know, it, it was a tough call, but to say that, you know, he wouldn't have any uh, change in uh, approach, I, I think it's just being stubborn. So anyways, I, I, Rob, good one. Very, uh, you, you would hope people learn from mistakes and, and that would be my hope for the Packer coaches moving, moving forward is that he admits that that was a mistake. And the next time he's in that situation, he chooses the other door. Exactly. So, uh, Rob, I, I, this is hard to believe. We went into triple overtime today. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully Sunday's game will be uh, just a, as much fun. But uh, thanks again for taking a few minutes, uh, actually more than a few minutes of your, uh, from your hectic schedule uh, for another thoroughly enjoyable podcast. And uh, a big thanks to our listeners for their support all season. So all the best to all of you. Take care. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at GaryWoofle and WooflesPressBox.com.